Welcome to Revenue Rehab, your one-stop destination for collective solutions to the biggest challenges faced by marketing leaders today. Now head on over to the couch, make yourself comfortable, and get ready to change the way you approach revenue. Leading your recovery is modern marketer, author, speaker, and chief operating officer at Tegrita, Brandy Starr. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Revenue Rehab. I am your host, Brandy Starr, and we have another amazing episode for you today. I am joined by not one, but two guests, Elon Wax and Will Scott. Elon is a fractional CMO and advisor at growth phase companies in the MarTech and CX spaces. Elon led marketing prior at Customer, Visible, Live Person, and 8x8, uh, managing and scaling teams from zero to more than 40, including BDR and RevOps functions. Elon is also a podcast host, community leader for executive marketers, and a known speaker on the B2B and B2B2C topics with a focus on sales and marketing alignment, one-on-one and one-to-few marketing uh, efforts, enterprise go-to-market, and he has a passion for all things account-based everything. Will is also a fractional CMO, a partner in the B2B product marketing agency, Aventi Group, and is also a program leader at Kellogg School of Management in their executive digital marketing and product strategy programs. In his career, Will has held senior positions with Cisco, Navisite, and Capgemini, along with a range of full-time and fractional CMO positions. He is a native of the UK, and he now lives in one of my favorite cities, Austin, Texas. Will and Alon, welcome to Revenue Rehab. Your session begins now. Excellent. Thank you. It is so good to have both of you um, in talking about next steps for CMOs. But before we dive right in, I always like to break the ice uh, with what I call buzzword banishment. And it's a little bit of a woo-saw moment. Um, So I will start with you, Will. Uh, tell me what buzzword would you like to banish forever? I think it's the phrase low hanging fruit. Can we pick off some low hanging fruit? <laughs> you know what I'd say, Brandy, is I've heard a lot about the land of low hanging fruit. I've never personally been there. Most things are usually quite difficult to do. And if it's low hanging, it's been plucked a long time ago. Yeah, you know, I have taken my kids several times to go apple picking. Um, and if you think about it, like the apples that are low hanging, yeah, Alan, you're giving the thumbs down. They are the ones that you don't want. Uh, you know, you always want the ones that are a little bit higher up because, you know, they tend to be of better quality. So I'm with you. Uh, although I do use that phrase quite often, we will take that and we will put it in the box uh, to not be used here. What about you, Alon? What would you like us to get rid of as well? So if I had the power to eradicate from the world one thing, it would be the obsession with marketing qualified. I believe that's something that deters and does not enable marketers to think about the real North Star metric of revenue pipeline and everything around real business. And it limits marketing and go to market and growth folks from really looking across what really matters to the business and just saying, oh, we got it. Okay, now it's your sales. We're done. 
And I think that's unfortunate. Yeah, I agree completely. I was actually just chatting with someone earlier today about this early in my career. You know, as a marketer, MQLs is what I was measured on. And, you know, I used to totally pat myself on the back because I would run circles around my numbers. But then I was incented to generate leads that sales didn't care about. So none of my stuff converted because they weren't incented to sell what I was incented to market. And so when you looked at conversion and actual revenue that came from my efforts, it was a big whopping goose egg. Um, but I was real proud, got all sorts of awards, was recognized. I mean, that was a different time period. And, you know, it was kind of a we didn't know any better at that point. But yeah, I'm definitely with you in that uh, the MQL does not have the same kind of meaning that it once did. So we will not be talking about MQLs uh, or any low hanging fruit, or we'll probably just avoid the whole fruit basket altogether um, as we jump in and talk about what's next. And so thinking about our audience uh, as heads of marketing at different stages in their career, you know, a lot of times we are always just talking about how to do the job effectively. Um, but we are still all humans and we have career goals, we have retirement plans, we have aspirations. Um, and a while back in episode nine, I talked to Adam Newwater about moving sideways in order to move up. So, you know, if, you're, if your eye is set on uh, being the CEO, how you may need to move out of marketing in order to, you know, catapult yourself there. And so today we're going to tackle another next step for CMOs. And that's, you know, giving the boot to actually just working with one company and taking on a fractional role. So I will start by asking, and I'd like both of you to answer this question and tell me, how did you get started being a fractional CMO? What was kind of that catalyst that said, this is the right next step for me? And I'll start with you, Alon. Yeah, sure. Um like most of the good things in life, things happen by accident. And that's how this happened to me. So first of all, for me, fractional is one piece. There's also advisory, which is less than being just a fractional, which means the CMO as a part-time function. Advisory is just guidance and strategy and helping the company, but you're not really the most senior marketer that the company goes to. You're just an advisor. Uh, I started off as a fractional CMO when I parted ways with a full-time job when I led marketing. And the next day I woke up and already started a two-day gig that somebody introduced me to. And I said, okay, it's a smaller company. They cannot afford me as full-time. It's also not something that I want to do full-time. It's not really what I see as my next step. But hey, let's do this in the meantime while I search for my next role. And I enjoyed it so much. And I, I see a, a kind of a path that I can do the things that I care about and help them scale, grow, and be strategic when they cannot afford somebody like me full time usually, and you can still mentor and give coaching and guidance, but you don't need to be there every day and all day. You can also do other things, whether it be with your kids or whether it's for different clients. So purely by accident, and I just still like it, and I'm still in the affectional world. Awesome, and what about you, Will? I think for me, you know, you mentioned retirement goals and career goals and, and money goals and things like that. I think if you're capable in your career and you've achieved that level of success, you have to think about what are your intellectual goals? What are your goals of just growing as a person? 
Um, and what I found is that I had met lots of small companies and helped them in, in various advisory roles and CMO roles. And I was in a CMO position. And fractional CMOs were just sort of emerging at the time. This is about six or seven years ago. And I often get asked, what, what is a fractional CMO? And I ask sort of, I answer sort of quite trivially, like, well, you know what a CMO is? It's just a fractional one of those. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I follow the question is, why do we think we can only buy senior people in units of 40 hours a week? What, why is that? And that's just because that's how we've always bought um, people in a FTE basis, 40 hours a week. We always used to buy software paying a one-time license fee followed by a maintenance fee as well. And that changed as well. So I think um, the market became more open to the idea of a fractional CMO. And like Alon as well, I work in advisory positions as well. There's not all fractional stuff. Um, but for me personally, and person, from a personal growth perspective, I get to meet lots of different great technology company and great technologists who are struggling with the marketing. And my personal passion is helping them tell their stories. And I get to do that all the time, which is really fascinating for me. And, and I couldn't be happier in what I do every day. And it I allows think- us to um, just, just add to that. It allows us to have a lot of fun with earlier stage companies that we can help with and we don't have to commit our entire life to those companies. We commit dedicated time. Seriously, every hour we give is a real hour that we are fully present in a way. And I feel like, um, well, to, to add to that, it is a win-win for them. Because if they want to hire a full-time CMO, but they don't even have the right team in place and structure, and definitely not the right um, cash ability to give us the comp, then they're getting a win-win. They're getting mentorship and guidance of somebody very seasoned to a small team and a young CEO or early stage company, while we are also able to do it for a few companies. So, and, and by the way, it's never 40 hours, right? When you get a full time. <laughs> oh, yeah. So now they're getting us as a chunk, but we're really dedicated to them for that amount of time. Yeah, and you actually hit on what I was, uh, the direction that I was heading in, because the point, Will, that you made in terms of things changing and the market being more open to that, I do think that that is largely driven by the number of early stage tech companies um, that are out there. And exactly what you said, Alon, like they need that season, uh, you know, leader that can help move them through the different series of funding and, you know, hope them help them to hopefully become the unicorn but they can't afford it and also afford a team to do the work. And so I think that that is what really opened the door of, you know, those small companies are a lot more scrappy and tend to get a lot more creative in how they solve problems. And it seems like it's kind of like, oh, like this could actually work. And now I'm starting to see it get a little more traction even outside of the technology space. Any thoughts there? Yeah, there's an interesting trend that I see happening is that you oftentimes see, when I say small companies, you know, these, these are not necessarily pre, pre-raised companies. Oftentimes you see companies that their founders have led marketing and they've got to a certain thing. Maybe they got to $10 million, $20 million recurring revenue by doing, you know, bootstrap kind of marketing. But they get to the point where they realize they don't have the skills and they can bring in someone and they maybe have an immediate need. I've got to run a campaign. I'm going to a whole bunch of traders or what have you. And oftentimes when I go into my, my clients and I say, listen, ultimately, at some point, you're going to need full time. And my job will be to help you hire that full time CMO. 
I'm not here to have this seat for the rest of my life. You know, I gave that life up a long time ago. Uh, I'm here to help you find my replacement. And that's what I am. And once you do that, the level of trust and honesty and candor you can have with your sponsor, now they realize you're not paying the political game, which I'm sure, like Alon, is one of the reasons I left big corporate, is we don't have to deal with political nonsense. Then you very rapidly become that trusted advisor, which is a fantastic position. And you can just have much, much more frank and honest conversations, which is great. Yeah, I, I want to add to that. It's uh, Well, it's exactly right. It, our job is not to be the full-time CMO for the rest of the tenure of this company. Hopefully, our guidance is to help them grow, achieve the next step or leapfrog stages ahead, and especially what not to do to make mistakes. And them hiring the first marketing leader full-time, that's a significant thing, especially for a young company and first-time founder or executive team. You don't want to make a mistake. The cost of hiring the wrong person and then letting them run marketing for six, eight, nine months, and maybe it's not what you achieved, like that's painful. Not just yeah. cost, but also morale, bringing their own team, hiring. Like That's a two-year setback. If they can yeah. hire us, we're not cheap, but to guide them, give them advice, and then ensure that they actually know what does success mean? What are the criteria for the right things? We might not do the things they like or not like well, but at least we're going to show them what is hopefully what good looks like or what good could look like. I think that is so valuable that um, knowledge and institutional understanding that they're going to save years and years and tons of money. And so if someone, so putting ourselves in the shoes of the listeners who may be, you know, evaluating, is this the right next step for them? Any thoughts on how you kind of look inward to say, am I the right kind of person to do this or any things that you would say, you know, if you like this, like this is totally not the path you want to go down. It's a good question. I, I gave a presentation pre-COVID. Boy, it was a live presentation. So it must have been three or four years ago. <laughs> and it was at a uh, product management uh, conference here in, here in Austin. And one of the breakouts was I called it life of a lone wolf. And that's how I put it. It's a lone wolf thing. And you know what? I, it, the analogy serves well, which is, you know, when we leave the pack and we walk out on the frozen tundra, it can be very, very lonely sometimes. We're not in that safe corporate environment. We're not picking up a paycheck every month. we got to hunt what we want to eat. And sometimes when clients are not immediately falling, you know, in front of you, you think to yourself, boy, all the, that wolf pack around the campfire looks really comfy now and you're tempted to go back. So um, it's not by any means for everyone. And I would say that that's probably the first thing that I would say. The second thing I would say is um, if you're going to jump and you're going to try it out, have something to jump to, have a friendly, have someone in your network who says, yeah, I'll give you 20 hours a week or 40 hours a month or whatever, whatever it might be, because there's nothing worse than jumping and just watching the bank balance go down, trying to get that first climb because you're being hired for your tenure, for your experience, for your, I'll show you the my for your gray hairs around your temple there, Brandy. I've got a few gray hairs. <laughs> that's, what, that's what you're being hired for. So if you start coming off as desperate and I'll do it for, you know, 20 bucks an hour sort of thing, all of a sudden that, that brand you're trying to represent will evaporate as well. So have something to jump, jump to. And the third thing I'd say is um, for anyone who might be thinking about it five or 10 years from now, and I had someone at this job club ask me the question. They said, it was a 23 or 24 year old who said, Will, I want to do what you do like tomorrow. And I said, um, you don't, 
I'm sorry, you, you know, you've got to have earned your stripes. But my one piece of advice to this is never, ever, ever burn bridges. Because no matter what moment of pyrrhic gratification you get as throwing that grenade over your shoulders, you leave a job, I swear to God, it's going to come and bite you 20 years later. You will rely on your, nothing is more important to a fractional CMO than their network. Alan, I don't know about you, but for me, that's like. For sure. I wasn't, uh, excuse my language, an arrogant prick for many years in my life. And that's not the time to be that <laughs> when you are, you have a personal brand. You are the CEO of your own company, whether it's one or 50, doesn't matter. And you have a service provider, which is, yeah, there's, everybody thinks it's the glory of being like, oh, the board loves you. The CEO listens to you. But you're very accountable and, and you need to be able to know that that you, you're not only there to give guidance and advice and strategy, everybody wants to be strategic these days, not execute, but you're very accountable for every word and every minute you do. And the second thing is, if you love growing, nurturing, managing team, and, and that's a big part of, of you as a leader, then I don't think fractional or advisory is for you because in-house you get to do that and you are the one that does it. We, the lone wolf is actually a very good way to look at this. We come in and we're part of the pack, but we're always an outsider. And it's always like for like a specific time period. And actually personally, sometimes when you stay too long, it's not healthy because you're giving the, you're giving the playbook and the roadmap and the methodology and the, the people are coming in. It's your time to move to the next one. It's good. Let's leave. It's like I've given you, it's my time to move on, take it on. But, but if you really like nurturing and growing a team and managing that, like you can't be an advisor. Yeah. And I was in another conversation talking about, um, you know, the advisory role and what that looks like and, and being um, and, you know, executive um, sort of working for a venture capital firm. And that concept of not having teams to manage and, you know, not having that same influence of pouring into people uh, came up in that conversation as well. And that does sound like it is a key thing. It's, uh, you know, because I think about myself as more of a, I am more of a doer. Like I like to get in there, get my hands dirty. And as I've grown in my career and started managing and leading people, it did take some time for me to actually really enjoy the growth and nurture part of the growing people. And now I love that. But at the same time, if I think about, you know, when I get to the point where, you know, I'm ready to do something different, I could totally see like, you know, being able to mentor in a way the people that are coming through you, but to have it be that short term, like, you know, I'm going to get in there, I'm going to accomplish something and I'm going to get out. You do come with the same, we, we, we touched earlier on, when you enter in as in any kind of advisory capacity, you do come with a certain stigma uh, if you're being sponsored by the CMO, because obviously you're not coming in there because everything's fantastic, right? You're coming in there because yeah. stuff, not necessarily broken, but stuff needs improving. Um, and also as well, your your sponsor, which is typically the CEO or someone senior, is asking for your honest assessment of the people there. And they know that. The people you're working with know that as well. So you kind of have to build that relationship with them while they're all sort of a little bit wary of, who's this guy and what's his agenda or her or her, his or her agenda. Um, so that, that can be quite difficult to navigate and you've got to have quite a bit of situational and people fluency. It's not always easy. It doesn't always, always go well. Um, but that, that's what your sponsor is asking you to do. That's your, your job. 
Yeah, I see that a lot in consulting as well, like having to have some of those tough conversations and, you know, being uh, diplomatic and still honest at the same time, because you don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but it is your job to, you know, be real clear about what's not working and how to fix it. Uh, Alana, yeah, it looks like you were getting ready to say something. Yeah, it's in a way, it's, you're not part of the internal politics, but you are a different kind of like vibe of political um, cadence because you are you want to be objective and learn and assess what you always do and there's always a reason whether the board told the CEO that they should bring somebody like you in or the CEO is telling the company that this person is coming in to do something there's a reason a business reason very clear that there is need but they don't always know what the problem is um, if the problem means that you have to talk to people and understand and some of them are accountable and responsible for this problem. It's just a different way to look at political um, environment. And we have to be very smart about how we navigate it and be ex like extreme, like, you know, extreme candor. Like I'm, I'm a massive believer in that and be very yeah. honest and very transparent. But there's some things like your recommendations is, is, you know, significant as they are and they could be actually having impact on people. Usually they do have to be also given, because that's what you're hired for. Yeah. And so shifting gears a little bit, because you both talked about how you're there to solve a problem. Um, are you more of a generalist or more of a specialist? And I'll clarify that a little bit. Um, in going into a fractional role, do you say, I'm really good at solving this problem in being a specialist and finding people that have that problem or is it more of you know the cmo role is what it is and you know i can support you wherever you are i, I disagree i think i mean it's not disagree person this is a very personal thing probably some people say i can be a part-time cmo of any company in b2c or b2b smb product-led growth all the way to full enterprise one-to-one -one. I, I don't know if everybody has that amazing specialization I know about myself, very clear. I have my ICP, just like I do ICP for customers. I know that I'm a mid-market a mid enterprise. I take companies up market. I'm very much about um, software first. I'm better than that, CX and MarTech. And I talk a lot about account-based everything and things related to that. That's my world. I'm a messaging guy, target audience guy. If companies come to me you know, completely out of my ICP, just wouldn't make sense because that's what I preach all the time that I would just take them because, hey, let's try it. So I try to stick yeah. to the ICP. I think the, the the useful analogy to, I don't know what's an analogy or metaphor, I should know, whatever it is. The useful analogy is this, is um, think of a cardiologist, right? A cardiologist is a specialist in the heart, right? And I would equate myself with a cardiologist. The cardiologist is also a doctor as well. So he knows something about just general medical stuff. So like in my career, I've done just about every job there is to do in a marketing department, you know, from organizing trade show attendance to cutting website decks to sales training to GTM positioning, the lot, right? The whole lot. Um, so I know a lot about that. Like a lot of my specializes B2B product launch. And so in that respect, that's my specialization. But I'm also a marketeer who's been around a bit as well. And so I know some stuff, you know, when it comes to lead gen and ABM and those sort of things, I know that stuff. I'm not a specialist. I would refer it to a specialist, but I know enough to see 
there's something that needs fixing there. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. No, it I does. Think I, I like that. Um, to the, so like, we, we will probably take, I'm assuming Willie would agree, most of the roles that now that we've built a little bit of our brand, or you've built a lot of our brand, we'll take the ones that are in our fit area and most focus, but we'll bring others in and we'll recommend or, or understand where there's gaps and there's like an SME specialist or you need a field market and others. Yeah. We're not going to take those on ourselves. That, that's not the job. But if it's like really outside of our deep specialization area, probably we'll say you need somebody else. So you don't even need a somebody at our level. You might need just something like a field marketing hire. But I'll take ad advisory conversations with people that want to have to spend, spend minutes with me always because why not help, right? Um, and so if someone is getting started here, I think the question that I see come up a lot is very similar to what you said, Alon. You have an opportunity that kind of presents itself that you weren't necessarily looking for. And it's, okay, what do I do with this? How do I structure this? Um, are there any key questions, key things to consider? So if someone's like, you know, I've had someone in my ear that's been talking to me about how I can potentially help them. I want to entertain this conversation. What do I need to look for? What do I need to define? Like, what are some of your tips or steps in actually getting started where you've got some opportunity? I don't know. You can go ahead first. Uh, I think it's very personal because I don't think that's, I don't think there's a playbook everybody can adopt. I, I'll, I'll start with, it's not that glamorous, this whole world of advisory and consulting and fractional, as people think like, oh yeah, I love being a marketer. I can do it for three companies now and make four extra money. It's there's less stability and there's no and like you really really need to understand that it's not this cool world of marketing. It's it's serious work. And every hour is a, is a serious hour. So how do you go about understanding if it's the right fit for you, these companies that have talked to you and wondered? First of all, understand that you're built to be a fractional or an advisor. Just really, really, I urge people to think about it twice and really understand why you're doing this because you're looking for a new job. Okay, so look for a new job. Looking for a new job is a full-time role. Okay, does like if you want to take something on the side as, as like one time, it's different than thinking about building a practice. So that's where I would start. Okay, I like that. Thinking about the mentality of if this is going to be a thing, you're actually, you're building a business and thinking about it that way, as opposed to, you know, thinking about when I was a kid, I'm going to get a, you know, holiday job for, you know, during the holidays. Like it's not that one-time thing. Yeah. I think for me, and I did it quite a bit when I was contemplating this, I just talked to peers, both who weren't doing a, a fractional work, but regular CMOs and, and, and those who were and just ask their experience. And I really educated myself. What do you have to decide what your sweet spot is? You know, what, what is it that you're going to focus on? Is it execution? Is it lead gen? Is it, you know, is it uh, MarTech? Is it messaging? I mean, there's a lot of areas you can uh, focus on. And one of the tools I developed very early on, I, I, I riffed off the pragmatic marketing matrix, was a diagnostic tool. So I could go into a CEO and I say, show me on the map where it hurts you. And always it will be on the right-hand side. It'll be something to do with lead gen. We're not getting good enough leads, right? But when you really press and did to continue the doctor analogy, the diagnosis, you'd find the root cause was actually further upstream. The root cause was you've not got very good messaging because you didn't spend any time thinking about your ICP and your value prop and all that sort of stuff. 
So that was quite a useful tool. And then there will be people out there. It doesn't necessarily have to be fractional CMOs, but just general people who are independents. You can educate yourself things on fixed price, retainer, hourly, you know, LLCs, S-Corps. Right? There's a whole bunch of stuff you've got to think about there. And the other thing is brace yourself. You are now a salesperson. You are your own salesperson. So whatever you're doing before, you're now selling as well. So there's contracts and there's things to sign and there's NDAs and there's sales cycles. And boy, you know what? You learn a lot about selling when you're selling yourself and, uh, and uh, you know, waiting for that that favorable answer back from the client. Um, but yeah, speak to peers who have done this is my, is my, was my own personal journey. And the last question that I will ask you both is about red flags. So you get introduced, you're having conversations to determine, you know, they've got the problem that you can solve. How do you identify red flags of a company that you just don't want to take on? Like it's not going to be healthy for you. And I ask that more in the, I mean, there's obviously certain things that, you know, considering any job that we look at, but in a fractional role, are there any sort of, this is a clear red flag, this is, a, you know, a client that you should take on specific to, you know, being a fractional CMO? I'd say three things, founders and senior execs who won't let go, who still want to be involved, but will say they don't want to be involved. This is a big red flag and it's very difficult. You've got to call that out um, head on. Um, unrealistic expectations. I need 20 deals. You know, I need 20 net new deals by the end of the month. And you're dealing with a six months B2B sales cycle. That And that's not going to happen. And that's where your candor comes in and all that sort of stuff. Um, and third, they think you're cheap. They're doing you because you're the cheapest option. If you want cheap, off you go to Fiverr. Find yourself someone there. I guarantee you'll get someone for 20 bucks an hour who calls himself <laughs> a fractional CMO on Fiverr. You know, buy cheap, buy twice. You're hiring me because I'm good. And when you go, and to continue the doctor analogy one more time, when you have chest pains and got to go and see the cardiologist, you don't pick the cheapest cardiologist, right? And you shouldn't pick the cheapest CMO either. That that's that's my that's my uh, sort of red flags. Alan, where you got any similar stories? Yeah, I think. I think I agree with all that, especially the founder-led growth one, which is my term I use for that. Uh, the, the main red flag I would say for full-time role assessment versus a fractional advisory is expectation setting of the scope and the, the feeling that you are the magic that's going to yeah, really like pour some uh, alone on this and it will like unblock everything. No, that that's not the way marketing works ever or advisory works. You can come in with setting expectation of phase one assessment, understanding, recommendation, implementation plan, and everything could change. You're not there to do like this one month engagement for a good sum of money and then everything is done, magic happened. Scope and expectation is very important. Awesome. I love it. Well, talking about our challenges is just the first step. And nothing changes if nothing changes. So uh, in traditional therapy, uh, the therapist gives the client some homework. But here at Revenue Rehab, we like to flip that on our heads. And we like to ask you to give uh, us homework. And so, uh, Will, I'd like to start by getting you to summarize for me the key takeaways. And then, Alan, I'll look to you to give us our one thing, our action item coming out of this conversation. Okay, so let's uh, let's review our last 30 minutes together. I think the first thing we discussed and uncovered was 
the propensity and the openness of the market to consume CMO services on a fractional or dare I say it as a service basis. Sounds a bit silly that service as a service, but on a fractional basis has just increased. And frankly, in my experience, it's accelerated because of COVID. Um, but with with the you know evolution of things like Upwork and Fiverr and 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 SaaS and Uber, everything that you can buy by the drink is now gone to executive as well. So that's good. That means there's fertile um, opportunity there. The second thing we talked about is this life's not for everyone. The grass always looks greener on the other side. It can be very, very lonely howling at the moon on that frozen tundra when you don't have a paycheck coming in of the month. That that is a lonely time. So think carefully and don't don't tread, don't leap into that world lightly. And if you do leap into that world, then do so at least with some warm hands ready to catch you, whether that's your your first client or a buddy of yours or whatever it might be, just something to start paying the bills, to see the income come in, to have that confidence um, and to build that up. And the final thing we talked about is seeking advice from others and determining it, what is it you want to be. And then we had a nice little sort of trip around the, the red flags, which, you know, like most things, I've got two little girls, 10 and 12. Some, some things, unfortunately, you just have to experience for yourself. I can tell you all day long, don't put your hand on the fire, it's gonna burn. Sometimes you just have to put the hand in the fire. But for what it's worth, those red flags, I agree with Alon's as well. Watch out for those red flags because uh, you don't necessarily run away, but just tread lightly. There you go. There's my summary. It's a perfect summary. So Alon, you've got the hard job of giving us our homework. So give us our one thing that our audience can do if they are considering going down the fractional CMO path. Really look in the mirror. And on the left side, do your pros and on the right side, do your cons and really answer yourself. Are you doing this only because you think it's really interesting and cool being talking strategy all day long? Or are you really somebody who wants to build, mentor a team and be a full owner, accountable, responsible? If you want the latter, I don't think you should go into this fractional world because it is about less account, less about control, less about management. So know who you are. Where are you on the spectrum? That is a perfect action item for us to take a self-assessment to understand, is this something that should even be a consideration for our future? I love it. Um, Alon, Will, I have enjoyed our discussion, but that's our time for today. Thank you so, so much for joining us. Thank you. And thank you everyone for joining us today. I hope that you have enjoyed my conversation. Um, Will and Alon, tell us where, tell our audience where they can connect with you if they'd like to continue the conversation. Uh, you can reach me. Um, I actually am a partner in a B2B marketing agency called Aventi Group. It's one of my arrangements I have and it's called Aventi, A-V-E-N-T-I group.com. Um, I'm just will at Aventi group.com or connect with me on LinkedIn. And uh, happy to chat to you more, whether it's something you're interested in or maybe interested in the services of my uh, agency. And I'm on LinkedIn, Alon Walks, just happy to chat and happy to give minutes of advisory to anybody on any topic I can help with. Awesome. I can't believe we're at the end already. Thanks, everyone, for joining us this week. We will see you next time. You've been listening to Revenue Rehab with your host, Brandy Starr. Your session is now over, but the learning has just begun. Join our mailing list and catch up on all our shows at RevenueRehab.live. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at Revenue Rehab. This concludes this week's session. We'll see you next week.